This is a Woodside Church podcast. This uh, Martin Tibbet's going to be preaching uh, what is our Vision uh, Sunday. Um, Martin, if you don't know, Martin leads the team that leads uh, both uh, sites here at Woodside Church. So as he comes up, can we give him a nice big kind of welcome? That'd be wonderful. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. That was me, I think. Sorry. Sorry. Good morning. Thank you. How are we doing? I heard you had good worship. Tabs and Timber. Oh, Tabs. It's you behind shouting. Okay, okay. Wonderful. Let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, we thank you that you are amazing. We thank you that you've won our hearts. We thank you that you've made a way for us to come into your family. Thank you that we can know your Father as our Father. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought not only healing and forgiveness, you've brought fresh purpose Lord, you've given us life. We thank you that your promise was life in abundance. We thank you, Lord, that even though when we face difficult times, we know we face those things with you. And so we bless you and we worship you. And Lord Jesus, we focus on you this morning. And we pray, would you speak in our hearts? Would you be our Lord as well as our Saviour? As we celebrate you in your own name, we pray. Amen. Amen. As Adam was saying, this is uh, what we call Vision Sunday. Uh, Vision Sunday is something that we do probably once every 12 months or so. We have a chance just to look at some things together. Some of you may have, I don't know, some of you may have thought, yes, I'm going to come. It's Vision Sunday. No, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe some of you thought, I don't know what's on, and you've heard it's Vision Sunday. You thought, yes, it's Vision Sunday. No? Okay, okay. Maybe some of you came and thought, oh, no, it's Vision Sunday. I don't know. I don't know where you are, but. Let me tell you what Vision Sunday is all about. It's a really important time for any church as they gather together. And the sort of things you look at on Vision Sunday is you celebrate the things that God is doing amongst you. Sometimes Vision Sundays all become, well, what's next? What's next? And to be honest, I'm as guilty as anyone to thinking, well, yeah, what's next? What's next? But actually, it's really good to take stock and say, look, God is doing this. God is doing this. God is doing this. In fact, you know, just over 12 months ago, this didn't exist. There wasn't even this. And so we have much to celebrate with what God is doing amongst us. So it's about celebrating. In fact, there's a great story in the life of one of the churches in the New Testament. It's a church in a city called Antioch. And there was a time when two of their leaders, Barnabas and Paul, went and planted churches. And they they saw God open the door to the Gentiles opened the door to to the non-Jews and they were so excited about this when they came back they gathered the church together I mean they didn't call it Vision Sunday but they gathered the church together and said look look, God is opening the doors they shared all that God was doing amongst them so important when we do that at these times we probably should do that more regularly anyway but certainly at these moments we try and do that also we do consider what is God saying to us what has God been speaking to us prophetically? And what do are, what are you and the leaders feel that God is leading us in? So we can begin to talk about what our plans are for the coming year and beyond. And looking at how we feel God wants to shape us as we go forward. There, there are two particular things we do. But you know, more importantly than those are, 
are those things that we're building, if you like, are what we're building on. Because one thing that needs to be set clearly, I think, every time when you have a Vision Sunday, is be right, to be reminded, to remind one another, to remind each other on what we're building on or who we're building on. Because all what we do is built on a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So first, and thank you, for first and foremost, the vision is a vision of Jesus. Do you understand? It's getting caught up in who he is. It's getting caught up in, in knowing that God loves us and, and he's caught us into a relationship with his Father. All the things I was praying earlier, almost if you go away being reminded that it's all about him, then I've done my job this morning. You know, So vision, first and foremost, is a vision of Jesus. But when we have a vision of Jesus, what, what happens is we, we get caught up in what he has a vision for. And the remarkable thing is his vision... It's for you and for me. See, his vision is for people. It's that, it's that he came to seek and save the lost. He came for us. He came, the Bible says, to reconcile the whole of creation to his Father. In fact, these two things could be summed up really well on what we know, what often Christians call the, uh, the greatest commandment and the great commission. So the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, will, body, energy, life. It's just love God. You know, it's Jesus. It's vision of him. Equally, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's an outworking of that vision of Jesus. And he articulates it really clearly with what we know as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all people. You see, we get caught up in his vision and the vision of Jesus. We actually get caught up in what he's passionate about and he's passionate about you and he's passionate about me and so we we are caught up in these two things so when we talk vision sunday we are trying to articulate that we are building on something that is already established and any local church is seeking to do that is seeking to say well this is this is what we're building on and we are part of a family church called catalyst some of you may be familiar that we're networked with, with a sort of wider family church called Catalyst, which is part of a wider family called New Frontiers, which I guess could, is part of a wider family of sort of Pentecostal charismatic evangelicals, which are words we don't often use. But it's not about those families. It's not about those movements. We're about a Jesus movement. It's not about Woodside, if you like. It is about how we play our part in that movement, but the primary movement that we are engaged in is a Jesus movement. Amen? However, every church that there's ever been is looked to uh, grapple with and and seek God on how they would work out what it means to, to be part of this Jesus movement. And I do want to talk about and celebrate the things that we've seen God do and look towards the plans that he has for us. But also I want us to be inspired by if I'm honest, my, if I'm allowed a favourite church from the Bible, my favourite church in the New Testament, uh, which is a church which I referred to earlier based in the city of Antioch. I don't know if you've ever, if, you, if you've ever studied any church, that's the one I would suggest you go to. They are a remarkable church. Their story, where they started, where they came from, is, is, is shocking. But actually where they ended up, 
and the parts in between. I think it's inspiring for us. And, and, and we believe as a team, we, we feel should speak into who God is calling Woodside to be. And in some small way, try and see them as a model for us as we look together. So I'd like to look at the story of the church in Antioch to get us, hopefully, I trust, inspired by their story. Look at their shocking and dramatic beginnings. But look at how they then went to a place of groundbreaking in their early years and they then moved into a season of, well, what can be described as remarkable, world-changing impact. So let's just get into this. They had dramatic beginnings. See, the church in Antioch didn't really start in Antioch. It started in Jerusalem. And it came at a time for the people of God which was dramatic. It was probably the worst period, one of the worst periods the Christian church has ever known. There was a, there was a, a leader called Saul, who sometimes is referred to as Paul in the New Testament. And Saul, with others, was persecuting the early church. And so in Jerusalem, the church had grown so strong, thousands of them had gathered, they were having such an impact on that city and beyond that there was an uprising to persecute the Christian believers. I mean, some of, you, of us have heard this before, I know, but you almost have to, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, where, where, where was God in this? I mean, there was, there was, there was the first record, recording of martyrdom. A man called Stephen was stoned to death. And this is all happening at the early days of the Christian church. I guess if we didn't know the story, and of course we're part of the story, we may be thinking, my goodness, is this church ever going to survive this type of persecution? And we see this aggressive and wicked commitment to suppressing the early church in Acts 8, verse 59. This is what it says. While they were stoning him, this is Stephen, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. And it continues. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is chilling to read. When I was preparing this week, I, I got surprised myself. I got a bit emotional. I thought, hang on a minute. This is, this is someone's been killed. This is, this is house to house. This is a shocking moment in the life of the early church. But if you then read on the next verse, in verse 4 of chapter 8, it says this, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You see, what was meant for evil, God turned to good. And in fact, when you follow the story through, you see this remarkable good comes out of this shocking moment. And this, I mean, first and foremost, this should give us so much encouragement today if we're facing very difficult times. 
If we feel like the enemy is having a bit of a go, or we're facing something in our lives that we are struggling to see the good in, whatever it may be, well, God is a God who turns evil into good. God uses all things, the Bible says, to good for those who love him. And so we see a dramatic example of, yes, the church being persecuted, but actually know that it begins to be the catalyst of breakthrough that they've never known before. So they must have been realising they were doing so well in Jerusalem. We've got thousands of people gathered, but now they find that they're scattered and God is going to use this moment in order to see many, many lives impacted by his love and his grace. Now we know, of course, I guess that it's not unusual, sadly, today for other believers to know persecution. This is happening today. We must pray about this. We, may tr- must tr- we must pray that God does what he did here in those circumstances that we may, some of us may be aware of. Do you know, there's even a, a family in our church. They go to our nine o'clock meeting in our uh, east side on the other side of town. They were there in the first meeting. And they're the Solomon family. Some of you will know Peter and Edith Solomon and the, and the children who are growing up now. But if you know a bit of their story, they were in North Africa and they and the authorities uh, forced them to leave North Africa. Uh, and in fact, Peter tells me the story that while he was on the bus with two officers beside him to go to catch a boat to Gibraltar, because he had to leave and had to leave without, without Edith knowing what had happened or where he was going, on the journey, he's sharing, and this is classic Peter, he's sharing the gospel with one of the officers because he knows the gospel is going to be preached wherever he goes. Then yesterday when I spoke to Edith, she told me that her maid, who had been working for her, a few days later after she had to leave, which was 24 hours later after Peter, she got gloriously saved, saw a dream of Jesus, gloriously saved, and it was 10 years yesterday that she became a Christian. She's still trusting God. You see, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. The gospel is going to be preached and God is going to be victorious. So we see this remarkable story. The beginning of this church is from persecution. And we continue the story in Acts 11, verse 19. It says this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch which is where we particularly want to land. Spreading the word only among the Jews. It's interesting it says spreading the word only among the Jews. That was what happened to, to the Christians that were spread. They, they, if you like, they, they stayed with what they knew. They understood the heritage, the Jewish heritage, and so they spoke to, probably partly because it was comfortable to connect with those that were similar to them, had a similar background, similar story, and obviously a similar foundation in their faith, to the point where there was, some, there was an early misunderstanding that people had to become Jews in order to fully become Christians. There was much debate in Acts 15, if you know that part, when they're thinking, hang on a minute, how can that be true? Because we're saved by grace through faith, etc., etc. But what was interesting, once they'd sorted that out, that we come to the church in Antioch, which wasn't held back by just doing what they had done before in Jerusalem, we discover, as the story continues, that Antioch began what can only be described as a groundbreaking season in their 
early existence, when they began to do things differently. And the story continues. Growth and salvation they see amongst those who are far from God, those who didn't have a Jewish background. These were the Gentiles, which are the the, the non-Jews of the day. Gentiles means every other nation. And so they began to see the gospel moving in every other nation that they reached. And in Acts Acts 11.20 it says this, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch, began to speak to the Greeks also, there you go, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. See, that had never happened before. The gospel had only ever gone to the Jews. So Antioch was this remarkable, ground-breaking church. We was looking to do things not the way we used to do it because it always worked that No, no, no. Trusting God in seeing new people groups met, new things, new uh, ways to see the gospel spread. Do you know, I was thrilled to go to uh, one of our Alpha courses last two Wednesdays ago. So we've got two Alpha courses running, haven't we? Got one flying out of uh, this site with Joe and Sarah Massey leading. Are they here today? There you go. They're not in the room, but they're here today. Uh, and we've got a couple called Dave and Helen Hunt. I don't think these couples have ever led Alpha courses before. It's really exciting. And they're stepping into that. And I went to, the, to one, of the, one of the groups just over a week ago. And one of the things that I loved, I think we've got over 20 people across the church uh, doing the Alpha course. And there's some people I've spoken to. They're really, really hungry for God. It's wonderful to see. But what was interesting was the spread of people. You didn't just have people that grew up in church, although there were some. You had some that had never been to church before. You had people, you had young professionals were there. You had some people that were from different social backgrounds, probably different political backgrounds, different different economic backgrounds. But they all had one thing in common. They had a thirst to learn more about God. I I love this diversity. It's like there's a richness, and there's, I'm not trying to overstate this, but there's, there's a parallel, I guess, in what we saw in the Antioch church, where they wanted all people to find a place where they could belong, where we would be the same. We would want anyone, whatever background, whatever ethnicity, whatever social situation, whatever home situation, to find that Woodside is a place where they can belong, and they can begin their journey with Jesus. When they started to reach out to different people, it impacted what the church looked like. And so not only did they break new ground in who they reached, they then broke new ground on who they gathered as part of the team and part of the church. And we read in Acts 13, it says this, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, so they have mixed of gifting. And then it says there was Barnabas, and there was Simeon called Niger. He was called that because he came from North Africa. So the different nationalities being represented. While they were worshipping, oh, I've missed a bit. So there's Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul appears. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I'm remarkable to see Saul there. Now, I know some of us have heard this story before, so it almost, oh, yes, Saul. Now, hang on a minute. You could argue he started this church by his involvement in the persecution in Jerusalem. And now we have the remarkable testimony of the grace of God 
and how Saul's journey, which is recorded in other parts of Acts, when he came to faith and his life was turned upside down. So even Saul is part of their team. And you go to the final stage, just to, I trust, to inspire us. They then begin a remarkable period of world-changing impact, sending Paul and Barnabas, sorry, Saul and Barnabas, to plant churches in other places. They then begin not only a church that's strong and serve in their locality, they begin to be a church that's strong, like a resource-based church that's pushing wide and multiplying into new towns and new cities and ultimately new nations. We are very inspired. I am very inspired by Antioch. I'm inspired by what God is doing amongst us, but I'm inspired by what Antioch was like and what it can mean for us. I think I'll go as far as to say that we believe that we would want to use Antioch as a bit of a model for us. Almost, although I, I hesitate to say it because it was a remarkable church, but a model for us and the type of church we would love to be. Do you know, we've had a great year. We have a great year. I mean, I just want to say a massive, massive well done and thank you to all of you because you have done something that we've never done before. <laughs> uh, we've launched a new site. Uh, Woodside is now present here in this part of the town. This is, this is new. We, never, we weren't sure if this was going to work, let's be honest, okay? We, we believed in God, but it was a sense of, well, you know, it, it, time will tell. And uh, it's wonderful to see so, so many. So we've launched a new site, and we celebrate that. Uh, we've also seen the, the other sites strengthen as a result. That's the remarkable thing. In fact, I was, I, I was quite confident this would fly. I was less confident where I was and, and, and whether that would be strong enough to hold two meetings, etc. But that's been the case. We've really seen God's hand with us. It's been wonderful to see new worship leaders come through, new preachers, new people serving in different areas, uh, right across the whole church, not just here. Obviously, to, to pull off this every Sunday morning takes an incredible effort. And we're so aware of that, so grateful to all of what you do. But actually, we've seen gaps created across the whole church, and people fill those gaps. Like I mentioned, with the two, the two couples leading the, t- the two Alpha courses. This is, all, this is all new for us. So we've got over 20 people on the Alpha course. We've also done something we've never done before, or certainly for many years, is we felt convicted by God that we should, uh, we should baptise people more regularly. So we thought we knew what we would do is we would hold baptism services once every six weeks and then, and then just keep teaching and preaching about the importance about if you believe in Jesus, you be baptised. And if we can't find anyone to be baptised, we find someone who's already been baptised, we'll baptise them again. Is that, isn't it, actually, we're not supposed to do that, are we? Actually, I'm sure it says in the Bible somewhere one baptism. Okay, we don't do that, we don't do that. Take that off the tape. But you know, we, we, we believe in this. And so we set every six weeks... Uh, we, 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 we announce next baptism, away we go. And you know, every baptism Sunday in one of our services, we have baptised someone every six weeks. And in fact, we've got baptisms for Easter Sunday and baptisms in May planned. We've got ba- people who want to be baptised said, I will be baptised on those two days, on both of those baptism services. Isn't that fantastic? So there's momentum building. I think, is it the May date? I think May is going to be the first baptism service on our website. Hallelujah. That's why we're here, to see people saved and added to the church. And baptism is such a deep, deep expression of that. So we've seen God do 
wonderful thing. So someone in one of our services, I'm not sure which one it was, prophesied this, brought this, uh, quoting from the Chronicles of Narnia, said, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. Uh, we need to recognise that and celebrate it. But hold it with, with, with a sense of responsibility. You know, God was on the move in Antioch and they, they held it responsibility and did remarkable things. And I guess that's what we want to do today. So, okay, in the time allowed, what I'd love to do is just share some plans. In light of what God has done so far, uh, in light of that sense of God leading us to be this sort of resource base uh, church that has, we trust, a big impact, uh, we felt it'd be good to just share some things with you and uh, about what we want to focus on in this coming year and may roll into 2021 as well. The first one is this. We want to invest in prayer. Invest in prayer. Do you know the things we're going to share now and, and the things we believe God's speaking to us, none of this will outwork how God plans unless we really commit ourselves to prayer. If I need to put my hand out, I don't think... I don't think we have led you as well as we should have done in this whole area, if I'm honest. I think, uh, I think it's something that God is stirring us, stirring me, stirring us. We need to really strengthen this. We've tried many different prayer ideas, uh, but we, we, there is something we want to really launch, a new prayer initiative. You may never have heard something like this before. It's quite revolutionary, but we want to have a monthly prayer meeting. It's, it's really outside the box, isn't it? I realise. And, uh, and quite simply, what we're going to do is, what can often happen at a prayer meeting is you spend so much time explaining what you want to pray about, you lose all the time that you want to pray. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah? I have noticed that. And so what we do, the Sundays before the prayer meeting, we're going to give an opportunity for, for, for a particular topic. Let's say a particular prayer meeting, we're going to be praying about the youth. We get the youth leaders to talk about, maybe even video, uh, what, what we're going to be focusing on when we pray for the youth, and that will be shared. So when we come to the prayer meeting, we can go straight in. And we're going to space out over the year different areas we want to pray for to make sure we pray for the life of the church. But then the rest of the prayer meeting is free for all, if you like. It's to pray whatever we feel God is leading us in. So we really want to strengthen that. It's going to start from May. And we tr- I trust you will join us in that or be a very much a part of that. We also want to do something learning from what you guys are doing on the West Side. We want to broaden this uh, across the life of the church. I was chatting to Hudson and Vidya, and they've been a part of initiating, some of you would know this, I'm sure, of maybe threes or fours gathering together to pray as friends. And I think we want to not only do things corporately, but we also want to try and encourage one another to pray regularly together. So it's something that we want to roll out and encourage across the life of the church, the threes and fours. I think half of the people, is that right? Did I make that up? Not quite? Not that many, not that many. Okay, anyway, soon to be half of the people praying in threes and fours. Really want to encourage you to that, want to invest in prayer. Next, we want to invest in our town. We want to invest in our town. We want to launch a new befriending service to serve some of the loneliest and most vulnerable people in our town. This is something we're doing in partnership with the Harper Trust. In fact, we've, just, we've received funding uh, from the Harper Trust to employ someone for two days a week for three years. And in fact, we've just concluded the interviews and that person will be appointed very shortly, I understand. And this is something that, 
The Harper Trust want to partner with us on this because of the many different activities that we're involved in in the community already. So one of the things that we launched this week, I believe, in the West was a new seniors group called Connection. Stuart and Cow led that this week. And others, sorry. And I understand that there was uh, uh, 11 or 12 people. Oh, that's outstanding. We want to we express our love for our town. We are called, as part of an expression being in Bedford, we're, we're called to love and serve our town. One leader once put it, we're supposed to wash the city of our town. Sorry, wash the feet of our town. We're supposed to serve our town. We want to do that well. And of course, offering a, a befriending service, uh, it will be a coordinating person, but it will involve many of us But with the white, to get involved. The reason why Harper Trust want to partner with us is because ultimately we want to help people to connect with community and find friends. And we have such a variety of all ages across the church of different groups that people can connect with. So we're looking forward to that. We also want to increase pastoral resource for our activities in the community, something we call Project 41, which has a range of work from plague, play people for small uh, children and mums and dads to seniors with connections and many things in between. One of the things that we've realised is as that whole area grows, it's a bit like having another congregation, another group of people that we're seeking to serve and care for. And so that needs strengthening and we need more resources to care well for people involved in Project 41, the people we're serving from our town. So we're looking to do that as well. We want to invest in prayer. We want to invest in our town. We also want to invest in leadership. Like the church in Antioch, we are committed to continuing to build a diverse leadership team and teams across the life of the church. It reflects who we are. It reflects what our town is like. But we realise that we are entering a season where we feel the focus needs to be particularly on releasing the next generation of leaders. In fact, myself and Tim and Richard Clements, one of the other leaders, one of the other elders, we were talking a few weeks ago and we looked at each other and we saw receding hairlines and going grey. And, you know, we, we, we've got a... There's a moment, you realise, when you've got to be really focused on bringing on uh, in a deliberate way. Now, we, we, we essentially do this all the time. Uh, but there's a moment when we feel we need to do that in a significant way. We feel this is the moment to do it. It's interesting, I was reading... Uh, some of the prophetic words we've had over the last few years, one from a guy called Adrian Horner, who, who we know and trust very well from, from another church. And he said this, I see this next season for you as all about leadership development, of raising, coaching and releasing leaders from home and overseas. And then he also said, talked about a school of leadership and talked about on-the-job discipleship. I think we feel that we were at a time when we need to do that and be very deliberate about it. I remember for myself, some 20-odd years ago, when I was in my 30s, I felt God speak to me. I was in business at the time. I felt God speak to me about getting involved in church leadership. And so I spoke to my dad. I said, what do I do with this? He said, why don't you write to David Devonish? So David is one of our elders, also works very broadly around the world. So I wrote to David. I said, David, this is what I'm feeling. I knew, knew David a bit. 
at that time. And, and so he wrote back. He remembers writing to me, actually, but he, and he remembers my letter to him. He didn't remember what he advised me to do. And so I told him what advice he, he gave me. And simply, amongst other things, he said, you need to get yourself alongside an established leader. You need to place yourself in a context where you can be grown and you can be invested in and you can be brought through to all that God may have for you. It changed my life. It changed my life. It was so helpful. I then got involved in a local church in Snitz, came alongside a man called Tony, an established leader, and, uh, and then the journey began, really, for me getting involved in church leadership, which was a complete shock to me. I'd never planned to do this. I was very happy uh, in business. My wife was very happy with me in business. I was going to be the millionaire, was the plan. Uh, and, uh, and she was in the first meeting. She nodded her head. Yeah, that was the plan. You were going to make all the money. And she was going to spend it. No, that wasn't the plan. But, but, but then our life changed. And, and, and getting alongside that leader was key for us. We want to strengthen both the west side and the east side. We want to really invest, and we just feel this is a significant time for us to do that. Also, we want to invest in training. We want to invest in training. Particularly, we want to launch a new biblical training course in partnership with Catalyst churches called God's Big Story. Now, if you're coming to the family meeting on the 19th of this month, which I really encourage you all to, 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 to come and be involved in, because you'll hear many things that we don't have time to talk about this morning, but you'll get a bit of a, a bit more information, a bit of a video clip on this. This is, I think this is going to be really, uh, really popular for us, but also for other churches that will, that will use this. Be right, starting in September, It'd be based, it'd be run, be run from, from the east site in Putno. And this is a video uh, training course, although we're hosting it, there's discussion groups as well. But we've used uh, some of the, our best speakers and leaders, people like Andrew Wilson, some would know Richard Tutt, Phil Moore, David Devonish, some really high-quality uh, teachers have been looking at the Bible, not looking at individual subjects, but trying to get people to understand the story that's weaved through the Bible. So, you, so you, do, you, do you ever feel like, I just don't get the whole picture? And it's really important that you get the whole picture of the Bible rather than just drilling down into a particular essence, a particular topic. That's going to be something we're launching in September. Really interested, excited about that. We'll be talking more in due course. Right, let me move on for the sake of time. We also want to invest in multiplication. We run a conference once a year called Multiply, which we not only serve ourselves, but serve other churches in church planting and site planting. We'll be doing that and other training courses alongside that. Particularly, we want, but particularly we wanted to say that we're going to continue to develop our multi-site church plans by exploring the next stage as a multi-site church. In other words, we're so thrilled by how God has blessed what we've done here, that we feel this is just part of a journey for us. In fact, there are people in this congregation that have come up and said to me at least once, when are we going to do our next site? Uh, and so we're not rushing that, and there's a, t- there's a time for that, and we're actually it's connected to us investing in leaders in order for us to do that well. But certainly that's very much in our hearts as we move forward together. Next, we want to invest globally and apostolically. We want to do this in a number of ways. We want to begin a new to the nations group. This is for those who are 
called or excited by taking the gospel to the nations. Like Antioch was a church that just didn't build for themselves, they built to go wider. We want to do something very deliberate about that. In fact, the people that are going to coordinate this group is, is Peter and Edith Solomon, the couple I mentioned earlier. They're very qualified in this area. But I'm going to invest some of my time. I think David Devonish as well is going to invest some of his time. We want to prepare people the best that we can. I've probably had four or five people come to me in the last two or three years and say, do you know, I feel God's called me to go to another nation. And so we need to harness that, work with people, train people. Uh, one day, we hope to plant churches from Woodside Church into other nations as well as into other localities in this country. We're involved in sending teams. We're looking to plan to send another team to Nigeria in November. More details will be available next month on that. But we are looking to, to look at sending more teams so others can get involved in those types of things as well. So what do we got? We want to invest in prayer. We want to invest in our town. We want to invest in leadership. That's a really big one for us. We want to invest in training invest in multiplication, invest globally and apostolically, keep us, us aware of the bigger picture. And finally, I'd just like to say one area which I guess underpins all of the above. We want to invest in our resources. We've been mentioning this for a while, but we want to build a strong staff team to support all that we're doing. I've probably had four or five of the staff come to me over the last six or so months and say essentially that they are loving the job, but they can't carry on running the pace that they're running. And going multi-site was a huge effort. And uh, it's impacted you. It's impacted the staff team as well. And so we want to strengthen that the best that we can. We also, just more broadly, want to grow a financial base uh, that means that we're never limited by what God would have us do by our financial resources. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to have a pledge day on the 29th of, of this month. This is essentially an opportunity for, for uh, everyone and anyone to review their giving if they give to, to Woodside Church. Uh, but also, if you don't give to Woodside Church, you'd like to consider that, then you're very welcome to do that as well. It's completely up to you. Uh, we are funded by, by the resources and the giving of the church. We don't get any external funding. Everything we do is what we do together. So we have produced... Uh, uh, what we've called pledge day packs or vision packs, which are available for everyone today. Some will be named if we have your details. Others will just be on, on blank uh, envelopes. But we'd love everyone just to take a copy. It would have the details that I've shared this morning as well as more details about the pledge day. We really would seriously ask you just to consider, prayerfully consider, how you may want to be a part of how we contribute financially to the life of what we're involved in. To give you a bit of context, this last year... Uh, we had a, a really encouraging year. Our giving grew by just over 4%, which is outstanding. So thank you so much to all of you who are committed financially and, and involved in giving to this local church. We, we so appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we essentially just about broke even, which is, which is equally as good. Uh, looking at all the things we want to do uh, for 2021, we're, we're looking to see if we can grow our giving by something like 11% or maybe even higher. Uh, and so this is a faith moment, uh, a faith challenge for us, I guess. Uh, and so we just would ask you all to consider that. Just want to say one thing on that, uh, just so you know, none of the leaders, none of the elders uh, have any idea who gives or what people give. We're not interested, we're not involved in that. Only two people, uh, Hayley Manley who does the finance and Debbie Tooth, 
who oversees the operations. Only they know those sorts of details. And so this is something that is very much between you and God. And we trust you in that. We were very relaxed about that. But we also wanted to share with you what we felt God was speaking to us about as we look to partner together. So there's lots of information there, I realise. As I said, the pack will give you more details that you can read at your leisure. Let me just finish by just giving one quote that we try to summarise what we feel God is saying to us. In light of what's happened, in light of the, ins- the inspiration for the Antioch Church, we-, we would say something like this in terms of, if you like, a vision uh, expression of what we feel God has called us to do. We'd say something like this. We believe God has called Woodside to be a strong resource-based church like Antioch was this strong resource-based church impacting and blessing thousands of people and hundreds of churches both locally and throughout the world in fact we probably already are impacting a thousand people locally by what we do together in the different contexts and how we serve the community and in fact in West Africa we've got over 30 churches that we're serving there working with other teams so in some respects we're beginning to touch into this but we really felt God lay on our hearts that we should believe big for all that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that as we, as we began today, Lord, we thank you that this is centred on you, it's led by you, and it's all for you. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us over the last 12 months. Lord, we thank you that we've seen people baptised every six weeks. Lord, we thank you that we've got over 20, more than 20 people on our Alpha course. Lord, I thank you for what's happened on the west of our town that this new site has, has launched. I thank you for the people that serve faithfully every week in order for this to happen consistently and regularly. Lord, we thank you for the new Connections Group, which is beginning to to touch our local community in this side of the town. Lord, we bless you for all that you're doing amongst us. And Lord, I pray as we look to the future, as we we, uh, look to a church like Antioch, we pray, Lord, would you inspire us? Lord, would you lead us? And Lord, would you help us uh, in how we should respond? Lord, I pray that each of us would know that we've got a part to play whether it's using our time or our talents or our resources. Lord, we thank you that we're part of a big picture here, that's part of a a movement that you began over 2,000 years ago. We bless you for how you've changed our lives, and we pray would you continue to change the lives of those around us and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.